0: to another episode of Speaking Literally where the books speak for themselves. I'm Holly and I'm Liz and we're already off to kind of a crazy start this morning <laughs> so it's going to be a treat I'm sure. All right. So there is quite a bit of news, as always, because when you only do a show once a month, you have a month worth of news to get caught up on. Um, But I think one of the biggest pieces of news right now is all of the adaptations that are being announced and are coming out. And it's really kind of exciting. Um, So, Liz, the first one we'll talk about is um, Heartstopper the graphic novel the lgbtq graphic novel that is being released um on netflix and i believe it's being released like right now friday this coming friday right yeah
1: so from when this drops four days time
0: okay so april 22nd it drops and um Heartstopper is, is, like I said, it's a graphic novel. There's four books in it. And Liz, you just kind of were the one who told me about this in that with it being a graphic novel, that's that's cool. It's like a comic, but it's more of you described it as kind of like a newspaper comic strip because it's it's in black and white. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: interesting. I mean, most um, graphic novels, especially these days, you see them, they're very kind of quite polished. They're color um, they're all split into separate cells. It's all very kind of, it's a lot more graphic, um, like graphic art, art style. Uh-huh. Whereas this one, they've gone for a very basic, yeah, as you said, like a comic strip and a newspaper. So they've just, just gone black and white, quite basic, um, sketching. But yeah, I mean, it does sound interesting. Um, and I am looking forward to, to seeing this, these series. I haven't actually read any of the books, but I'm looking forward to, to checking out the series next week.
0: Yeah, me too. And, you know, I've, I've seen, I've, I've heard a lot about this in the last couple weeks, you know, leading up to the release of Hearts Opera on Netflix. Um, and I, I know that it's, um, it's about two boys who, they go to the same high school, they never really met each other, and then they just kind of come together. And, um, so it's kind of like a good story, like good high school love story, and, um, I think, you know, it's a prop it's a popular graphic novel, so I'm sure it's gonna do really well. So I'm excited about that one coming out too.
1: Yeah. And of course we've had um our first look at the film adaptation of Where the Crawdads Sing. So this is one that me and Holly are especially excited about. Um we read I think we we both read it year before last? Yeah. I think mean, you read it a few months before me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was such a, a brilliant, brilliant book. Um, we've had a release date as well. So in the US, it's July 22nd, and for once, you told it first. Boo! <laughs> July 15th. Boo! We yeah, get a whole week <laughs> head, head start, so for once, I can get your Holly. I'm going to go see it and it's not out in your country yet. <laughs> and I'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's about time. Um, and the film is being directed by Olivia Newman who I've looked up and she hasn't done that much at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see see what her style's like. And, of course, it has got Daisy Ridley in it, who was in uh, Chaos Walking. Chaos Mm -hmm. Stan... Yeah, Chaos Walking. So... And, yeah, and really I did.
0: I, I went to the, the the movies this past weekend, and it was the the trailer before the movie. I was seeing, so I got to see the trailer on the big screen, and it lo- it looks really good. I think Daisy does a great job as Kaya. Mm-hmm. And you know, to be honest, I when I read the book, I had a very very love hate relationship with Kaya. She drove me crazy yeah. at times, and Definitely. I just like. I don't, wanted to smack her upside the head at points, um, but I did end up loving the book. Um, and But what I was telling you, Liz, before we started recording about about it was it's not exactly how I, when I read it, It's the trailer is not how I pictured things. And I think that's, you know, yeah. you always talk about like when you read a book and how you picture things and why you tend to want to read a book before you see the movie. Um, but it, it's, you know, when I read the book, And I don't know how you pictured Kaya, but I kind of pictured her like a little bit like disheveled, always like with a little film of dirt over her as like a swamp girl.
1: Yeah, exactly. She lived in the swamps. So you're going to be constantly sweaty and like dirty. And yeah, I completely I imagine that's why I imagined her being a bit of a kind of almost like street 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 rat kind of look exactly and And it wasn't rich she was very
0: poor yeah and i didn't really get that portrayal of her like you can still see like you know she's definitely judged and she's definitely you know not treated well um but it's just simply because of where it, it it feels like it's more about just you know where she lives versus like how she appears and how she acts and all of those things um so obviously the trailer is just you know clips pieced together you know to to try to increase your you know excitement and anticipation for it so i will be really interested to see how it all plays out in sequence um on on the big screen
1: i think going back to kind of our last podcast episode about classics Mm
2: -hmm. to me
1: i think that should be a modern classic i think that should be something that should be studied in school in like a few decades time Mm because it was such a meaningful novel about kind of the history of how those types of people were were treated back then And I just think it was such a a beautifully written and really emotional novel so I definitely see that one becoming quite a big deal as it gets
2: older
0: and i just hope i just hope that the movie is able to capture that and like you know even the, the little town that is near where she lives like in the book i i viewed it as like this really really tiny tiny town yeah, um definitely. and in the and in the trailer like it's still a small town but i feel like it's almost a little bit more um polished of a town okay um so i don't know it, it's 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 Definitely going to be. It's going to be interesting. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be really eager to, to see what the response is from people who have read and loved the book. I mean, I think the movie's going to be great. Period. But the people who've read the book and are passionate about the book, we're always the biggest critics about the movie.
1: That's the thing. I mean, every time a movie comes out of a book adaptation, you always look forward to it, but at the same time, you kind of approach it with a bit of trepidation because you're like, you really want it to succeed and you really want it to bring the character to life but at the same time we've seen so many times when the film has really quite failed on that part yeah. and it almost kind of ruins it a bit for you Yeah. so it's yeah it's always that kind of that concern about is this going to re- truly kind of justify and really bring this story to life
0: yeah alright well we'll find out in July
1: Good indeed <laughs> Um, so the the next one is uh, a, actually going to be a Netflix series. Um, this was released, announced about a few weeks ago now, um, and it's quite an exciting one. I haven't read it yet, but um, it is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. So this has been announced that they are turning it into a Netflix um, series. We haven't got much information about it yet. Um, we do know that it's going to be uh, the creator of Little Fires Everywhere, um, is going to be part of the crew. Um, I believe as the director, but other than that, we have no no information. So obviously, watch this space. Hopefully, hopefully it won't be too too distant future.
0: And so, this yeah, this was another play great play. book, like great, great, great book about like old Hollywood. And I mean, obviously, it's completely fictitious, but I think there's always been like you know innuendos about what. You know, what happens in the background in Hollywood, like in Hollywood, and what does it really take, and what do people really have to sacrifice of themselves to make it big in Hollywood? Um, especially, you know, back, you know, in like earlier Hollywood, like old Hollywood. And so, Liz, you've got to read this book. Like,
2: I, I read it (laughs)
0: last,
2: (laughs) I read (laughs) it last
0: summer, (laughs) and it was, it was one of my favorite. Uh, favorite books of the summer for sure uh, it was just it was really it was just really really good so
1: and before we move on can we just appreciate the fact that the we've had a massive film come out to cinema very recently in the shape of the new Fantastic Beasts film
2: yes. um, which
1: I highly recommend oh my god it was really it, I saw it last night um, so obviously it's dropping on Monday so I saw it on Friday Um, and it was Mads Mikkelsen does a brilliant job of bringing Grindelwald to life because I know I bet there's loads of people out there concerned that it's not Johnny Depp anymore yeah um but he is he's a really good actor have you seen him in any have you watched the tv series of Hannibal I have not (gasps) it's really good and he plays Hannibal and he Uh. does such a good job
0: I'm just super so. excited. Like, you know, again, we're we are recording this on Saturday morning and it well, Saturday morning for me, Saturday afternoon late or early evening for Liz. Um and it drops on Monday. So Liz saw it Friday night yesterday. I'm seeing it tomorrow on Sunday. Um so <laughs> so here we are. I haven't yet seen it. I'm so excited about seeing it. Um, um it is, yeah, yeah, it's really good.
1: I did I did hear that um Warner Brothers are waiting to see um the reception of this one before they sign off on the next one mm. so i think they're meant to have two more oh, um and it, it's definitely yeah they left it on a off cliff on a cliffhanger i'll say that they left it open for the next one
0: then there better um, be a next one oh my god
1: and also it's always a pleasure seeing jude law
0: and jude law's dumbledore is just oh, oh
1: yeah. perfect casting he just yeah. got it so perfect
0: yeah, I'm so excited. I am so excited. And what I'm more excited about, too, is that my kids are so excited about watching it. Because, you know, Liz, I told you earlier, like, my kids grew up with Harry Potter. And we're going to talk about Harry yeah. Potter a little bit later, so I'm not going to talk <laughs> too much about it right now. But um, so with Harry Potter, when, when they were, like, younger, before they hit 10, I over the course of about three years, it's how long it took us. We read, I read out loud all seven Harry Potter books to them as like our nighttime, bedtime story. And, yeah. um, so they have been completely invested in the Harry Potter world. We've read the books, we've seen all the movies, they've seen all the fantastic beast movies. And like my son who just turned 16 this past week, I asked him, I said, you know, thinking that maybe I would just go see the movie with my husband. Um, i asked my 16 year old i said do you want to see the movie and he's like yes and i'm like okay <laughs>
1: so we actually on the run-up to i um, watching it we actually watched number one and number two we watched uh, number one on wednesday and then number two on thursday
0: that's actually a really good idea because i feel like i don't i remember the first one really really yeah. well but i feel like i only remember certain scenes from the like the second one okay go. you've got your event your, your plan for tonight then we're I have to take my kid to a soccer game tonight he wants to go watch a professional soccer game as a birthday present oh. so maybe I'll just pull it up on my phone <laughs> and watch <laughs> it while he <laughs> and he'll be like mom they just scored I'm like yay okay leave me alone I'm watching a movie yeah, I'm too busy watching Jude Law, <laughs> that's right <laughs> if you tell me Jude Law is going to come and play soccer I'll pay attention otherwise I'm going to watch him as Dumbledore yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, but tell yeah seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo is going to be great um next we have no I don't even know who's doing the next one Liz Is there is
1: there a bit of news about Lee body, Holly
0: Oh yes yeah. thanks Liz <laughs> I, I I appreciate your assistance in keeping us on track Yes actually there is some big news about Lee Bardugo who if you guys have listened to our show for even a hot second you would know that Liz and I Really, really like Lee Berdugo and, you know, okay. her Grisha verse. Um, but she also has a book out that's been out now for a little while called Ninth House. It's the first of a series, so who stars our, our new kind of anti hero Alex. But she has just announced the sequel will be coming out in January of 2023, so we sadly still a decent amount of time away. Um, but it's going to be called Hellbent, um, which actually I think is a perfect title for it Liz you haven't yeah. you're reading the book Ninth House right now so you haven't finished it I
1: but I mean already Hellbent just seems the perfect title and have you seen the the new cover art to Hellbent
0: yes I see yes it is so
1: cool. I love oh it
0: you know and it's just because the book is just so like it's so dark and it's just like it's so perfect because like Alex is again she is not your traditional you know good good guy you know with you know whatever this hero yeah. Mentality. She's definitely an antihero. has a very dark past, and there's a lot of dark things that happen in this book. And so I think like yeah. that hellbent really captures the darkness and the power uh, behind what is actually happening in the book.
1: Yeah, I mean, this book literally her ninth house just starts dark straight away. You are like straight plunged straight into that that darkness, which I'm I'm enjoying it so much. I'm sure I'll probably be finished by the end of the week. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a good book. Um it just sucks you in. Uh, but of course, um we don't have to wait until January for anything Le Bardugo because we do have her graphic novel coming out in September.
2: Oh.
1: <sighs> That'll and be we're exciting. Still waiting. Of course, we're still waiting for confirmation of the next uh, Six of Crows. <sighs>
0: God, I hope it's there. I hope, I hope, I hope,
1: oh, I hope. I need, I need some, some more Grishaverse. Uh-huh. We need, we do need to finish King's Scars. We need to read, read King, uh, World of Wolves.
0: Yes, yes, we do need. Now to Now we've
1: got other ones coming. We can, we can do it safely.
0: Because yeah. <laughs> 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 we know there's more coming without getting girl. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so Liz, there's some not so good news too that we have to report on.
1: There is, um we have we've managed to avoid this last few months obviously um we haven't had any major writer deaths but we did have two this month uh, two pretty big ones to be honest um i think they were literally uh, a week apart they weren't there wasn't much time difference between them Uh-oh. um we've got david mckee who is the author of the mr ben books elmer and many other children's books um so this is an author that i actually read as a child and he has died aged 87 so that was really sad yeah. Um, and then we've also, uh, so going over a complete other side to the odd adult fiction, Jack Higgins, which is the pseudonym of Henry Patterson. Uh, he's passed away at the age of 92. So I mean, he's he's had a good life, 92 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he authored 85 books, and his most famous one was the 1975 no- novel, which is The Eagle Has Landed, and that was cha- that was turned into a film back in the 90s.
0: Mm, I think so. Yeah.
1: Um, yes quite a while ago and yet he wrote primarily spy thrillers yeah so yeah two very sad
0: stories 87 books like I couldn't even imagine like that's just what a great great career in the literary world Um, definitely yeah so they will of course be missed and their books like I never with um, David McKee I never read the Mr. Bean stories you told me a little bit about them Um, but Elmer I did the, mm. the little patchwork elephant on all his little I loved, oh, crazy oh stories. God, I've
1: always loved elephants, so Emma oh, will Yeah, Emma was
0: awesome.
1: Yeah. But, but both of them have left behind such a massive legacy. They've got so many books out there that are still loved and read. So, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they will it's continue good. on. Yeah. Um, well, and then the last little bit of news is kind of like the continuation of what's become kind of a, a really big situation controversy story over the last several months um and that's really dealing with the with book banning um and so i know at least within the united states over the last nine months so you know our schools in in the united states tend to tend to start in like august september so you're looking at nine months so almost since the school year started probably a little bit more into like the the month or two before but there has actually been um 1500 book bans in the last nine months through schools that That they're yeah and so it's gotten to 100 books yeah it's insane and so it's really become um uh a big situation that's begun to kind of get the attention of like our government. And so our Congress on April 7th just had a congressional hearing to talk about this because it's, it's becoming such a big deal. And it, you know, they're really concerned about, you know, constitutional rights, you know, the First Amendment, which is, you know, freedom of speech and everything. Um, What I liked about the congressional hearing, um, you know, I read a little bit about about it this morning to you, Liz, is that during the hearing they brought in panels, like they Skyped in panels of people to kind of talk about it. And one of the panels that they brought in consisted of, high school students and you know a lot we know that a lot of the books right now that are being banned have a lot to do with race and the lgbtq community um books that need to be available and accessible to our youth uh they need to be able one like like the two girls said so in in this article by publishers weekly they kind of like are quoting a lot of things and it quoted some of the the statements that were made by people that were on these panels. And what I really th- hope hits hard is, is the words from the kids mouths, like how the kids feel about adults taking books away from them. Um, and like this, this one girl um, from York, Pennsylvania said that I deserve to walk into a school library and find a book about someone like me everybody wants to be able to read a book that they can connect to relate to and learn yes, from and where they can feel like exactly. I'm not alone in this crazy world um exactly. the more that you try and ban books
1: that whether it's lgbtq or if it's to do with um african-americans or or race um you're are you trying to alienate a certain community by mm-hmm. saying that we shouldn't be reading about these communities so mm-hmm. yeah they you need to have a good variety of books in libraries, in bookshops. You need to have that that equality there because otherwise you're just gonna isolate these communities who are just gonna if anything get angry, get annoyed because they're not being heard.
0: Right. And all that's going to do is we have enough issues in our world with people wanting to fight and push their beliefs on other people and not be accepting. And that's all this is continuing to do is it's continuing to allow prejudices and stereotypes to continue.
1: Feeling hate.
0: Yeah. And In a time where we need to, like, be more tolerant and more accepting and, you know,
2: yeah,
0: get over, you know, just because you don't believe a certain thing doesn't mean that other people can't have a different opinion or a different belief um and just like the the other girls so that that quote came from a girl named olivia this one comes from a girl named christina and she says that she says don't silence the voices that are just beginning to be heard you know and i think that's that is so powerful too
1: um very very poignant yeah because yeah that it is so true these people are only just starting to get a voice now because people are letting them and because people are being more accepting. Uh, the last thing I is to quash
0: to them. Right, and and this young girl, or, you know, young. I guess she's probably a young adult now because she's a high school student, Christina, she said that during, like, it, the article says that during the hearing, after she said that, she recalled her own experiences being one of a few African American children in her grade school, and the ignorance and disrespect she endured on a daily basis. She emphasized that reading um, books uh, about different types of characters, teaches empathy and respect for people of unique and minority backgrounds and she is so right like i don't think any of us could say it better than she did at all yeah um so it's just it's it's crazy that this is still become it not that it's still a thing it's it's always been a thing but that it's become such a big thing because people are so scared of of l of really, I think yes, there's still the racism because this article talks about. They go on and talk about, um, you know, Ruby Bridges, and you know, and and you know, she has an autobiography out that you know, in the United States, a lot of our students read that in like third or fourth grade, like when they're younger. Both of my kids read Ruby Bridges. I have a copy of the book in my house, um, you know, but it's also a book that's banned because the the reason cites is that it, it might make um, white children feel uncomfortable. Well, you know what? good
1: yeah it sounds like it really does sound like the people who are making this, these decisions so congress and the people who do make decisions for these books they need to bring in a new blood into that into those departments because it sounds like all they've got is to be honest it sounds like all they've got is a bunch of old white men Yeah. with very traditional very old school beliefs
0: Yeah. you know and and, and... It's just so, it scares me so much because I feel like, you know, Mm -hmm. our kids need support. Our kids need to feel that they're loved and that they're not Mm -hmm. alone. And, you know, it's, it's hard enough to be a kid, but I think it's ten times harder to be a kid in our society now when you have, when you're inundated with social media and technology that, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, Liz and you and I, you know, we're not we're not old but we're not super young anymore and like when we were in school um you know i didn't have a cell phone that i could pull out when i was you know 13 years old and you know look stuff up and be you know see different ideas and stuff but now they do and you know they're they're getting all these different messages and you know being able to see that they're not alone or they're not being punished for feeling a certain way and um it's really important. So I just I, I nothing has really come out of this congressional hearing. Uh, you know, it just talks about the fact that you know they are going to continue to look into this. So nothing has been decided. Um, but mm-hmm. they did say that um, the the Raskin guy, who's quoted most in this article from the hearing, uh, mm-hmm. at the end of this article, it says Raskin likened the First Amendment to Abe Lincoln's golden apple of liberty and and said everybody wants to take a bite out of the apple and if we allow all those bites there will simply not there there will simply be no apples left he went on to say that we've got to defend not just the speech we love and the speech we agree with but also the speech that might also force us to learn something new or the speech that we think we really detest There you have he's
1: it.
0: A writer. <laughs> he's not a writer. He should be a writer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Was was. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and he's he's absolutely right. Like we, that's yeah. that's what we need. So, that's where we are in the world of book banning.
1: That is it, yep. and that's the end of our, our little new segment. Of course, we do have the usual uh, New York Times bestsellers list. Um, not as many as this, as last time. We haven't had. Too many kind of people like uh, authors staying on the list, which is it's a bit of a shame, but I mean we always need some fresh new blood on the list. <laughs> yep. Um so but and funnily enough, uh, number one is not fresh blood. It is the person that we know we've have seen many a times on this list. Um and it is of course Colleen Hoover and uh, with her novel of It Ends with Us is back at number one. Uh, now this has been on the list 43 weeks, so almost a year, which is just crazy. I still haven't I read it. That, I bet that's not. I bet that's not the only one that she's got on the list. Well. No,
0: Verity was in the top five yeah. as well.
1: It's absolutely crazy. Um, I. She's still all over Instagram. Yeah. Um, all over Bookstagram. I've got Verity. I haven't read that one yet.
0: I do have Verity uh, because I got it for free on my Kindle.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but at number two um, is Where the Crawdads Sing, which yeah, it's probably because of the the impact from the new trailer. It's brought it back, and everyone's like, "I need to read this before it comes out." Mm-hmm. But I mean, we are the original translators. We we read it years
0: ago, so <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they should have consulted we us on the on the on, screen the, screen on screen. the manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we 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 read it before it became famous. So mm-hmm. just exactly. Before it was cool, exactly. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> um, so the only new book this week uh, to enter into top five is Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. Um, that went in at number three, and she is the author of Station Eleven, mm-hmm. um, which is like a post-apocalyptic. I've actually I started watching the TV series for Station Eleven. It's very strange because I haven't read the book have you read it?
0: I haven't read the book but the book is on my
1: list yeah I mean it starts off like this really interesting dark post apocalyptic world Um, the first episode and then suddenly you get a troop of traveling entertainers alright
0: so, yeah it's,
1: it's very different I was, I was kind of hoping it was going to stay at the dark post apocalyptic because we need another one like that mm-hmm. but yeah um, and in the young adult hardbacks, uh, one of us is lying, which I have actually finally got around to reading. About time uh, is, sitting, is sitting at number two this week, um, probably because of the fact that obviously we did have the TV uh, series just come out a few weeks ago. Now um, that has been that has been on the list for two hundred and nineteen weeks. 219. Okay, so we're talking over four years. Yeah,
0: and I think that that's why we keep this little bullet point in here is because it's like, it is crazy because this book has been number one for so long. And it's going to be interesting that once what's currently number one has been on the list for two weeks, so I'm pretty sure it's been number one the last two weeks. Okay. Um, but I, I'll let you tell what the, that book is. But it's going to be interesting to see that when the current number one book drops, if one of us is lying, we'll go back to number one because that's what it's been doing. Yeah like it'll oh, leave yeah. and go back up oh, over four years i just can't comprehend it's that that's, crazy
1: i don't think i've known any book to be on the, the list that long Mm-mm. No, that's just mental um the number one i haven't actually heard about this one um it's called a magic steeped in poison yeah. and that's by judy Is that judy
0: <laughs> sorry my <laughs> typing isn't the best T. D. I. Lin. Have you heard about that one? Okay. I have not. I um, I've seen the like I've seen the book online and I've seen the cover and it looks it looks really good, uh, but I haven't actually read it. Look at the cover.
1: Ooh. I'm yeah. Cover, see,
0: it? it's got some pretty colors oh, on it.
1: It's so pretty. It's like pinks and purples and yeah. I mean that would just look nice on a bookshelf. Right. Oh, and also it's the first in a series as well. Mm-hmm. Called <laughs> the series is called The Book of Tea. Well, as in the... drinking tea, not the letter tea. Interesting. Which I guess is why it's steeped, because you steep your
0: tea. You? Oh. You must be a tea drinker.
1: No, I don't like tea or
0: coffee. <laughs> oh him, them.
1: <laughs> he must be. Well, he's. Um, I'm guessing Judy Island sounds a bit Asian, doesn't it? Yeah, like Chinese. It?
0: And that's. What, you like and I thought that, like, when I initially read a description of the book, that it seemed to be a book that might take place um, in an Asian um, country. It
1: yeah, it says first in a geology and it says it's sure to enchant fans of Adrian Young and Lee Bardugo. Hmm. That's very high claims.
0: Ah, right. That's, that's that's like
1: serious claims there. I mean that yeah, for a da- daily uh, novel as well. Uh, yeah, we might need to check this out just to find out whether this really does live up to its.
0: Yeah, and our main character's name. name is Ning. Um, hmm. you know, Ning is lost. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, when Ning hears of a competition to find the kingdom's greatest, um, shinog Xinogxi, which are masters of the ancient and magical art of tea making, she travels, mm-hmm. yeah, to the imperial city to compete. So you got like kind of a hunger games kind of, uh, competition, magical competition.
1: I would say, yeah, uh, she, She was the one who unknowingly brewed the poison tea that killed her mother. (gasps) So,
0: I can definitely see why this is a popular book right now. So, well, that's that's where we stand with our New York bestsellers and our news. So, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump back in with what we've been reading. All right. Liz. Is laughing
1: (laughs) We did I was doing a little dig Like during the break And so was Holly It's just funny
0: Yes Well you know We gotta entertain
1: ourselves I always like imagine Little kind of um, Elevator music (laughs) On our breaks (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'll have our producer put elevator music in this week instead like, do, of a commercial. Do, 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 do. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> All right, Liz. So if I can find some elevator music, I'll I'll put it in the background as you tell us about what you've been reading.
1: Okay, so um, we'll talk about, obviously, our buddy read that so we've been doing this month in a bit. Um, but I think one of the biggest reads for me this month that really kind of was – a fantastic read and um, I'm it's sort of one that i wish i could read for the first time over and over is the um, love hypothesis now everyone's probably seen it all over instagram it was such a massive success for since it's come out really um and yeah i finally got around to reading it and it was such a good read oh my god it's it's a rom-com so it's just like a really nice easy light-hearted read but one of the kind of Main differences is that it is based, obviously, in a very sciency environment. So it's based um, on a a university campus, and the main character is a postgraduate who's currently studying for her PhD in science. Um, and uh, also, it's about the the staff who work there. So it's really interesting because it's not only a really good read, but it's also such a great influence for encouraging women into STEM sub- subjects because you've got this main sort of this strong main female character. He's very much into science, um, very ambitious. And it's, I just feel like it's going to be such a kind of a big, important book. And I mean, we've already seen another one very similar, which I really want to get, um, came out, I think, last
0: week called Lessons in Chemistry. Isn't it it's called? I've been seeing that one out a lot.
1: Oh, I saw it in my water yesterday and I nearly got it. It sounds really interesting because that one, very similar, it's set in a like female and a science background, but this one is actually set in the 60s so yeah. it's basically about her working in an all-male lab interesting. so that's yeah, that sounds really good, um, but yeah, I love her hypothesis, I could not recommend more it was really well written character development was really well really good perfect pacing like I think I read it in literally two days <laughs> <I couldn't laughs> put it, down. Um, it was just the right kind of length of chapters but again the same as some of authors do they often left chapters on a cliffhanger so you just had to keep on reading mm-hmm. and I think I finished it one day at like one o'clock in the morning oh goodness <laughs> yeah no but it, it's yeah absolutely fantastic read really good setting um, I like the fact it was set because I mean you don't get many you can get We get a lot of books set in universities and colleges, Mm -hmm. but the whole studying for a PhD, you never really get that area of education. Yeah. So it's nice because you have the dynamics of the staff and the the students are kind of different because the students are now quite a bit older than the other students. Um, And it's just really interesting, kind of nice little insight into that area. Um, I mean, I've never done a PhD, so... (laughs) um, (laughs) Not that clever. Kind of. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really fascinating and just I loved the fact that it was away from your kind of standard rom coms where they're set on beaches or uh-huh. set in cosmopolitan cities. Um just such a yeah, a different kind of perspective. So I would definitely recommend it.
0: I just recently, maybe within the last month, bought it. So I haven't read it yet, but mm. I have it. Uh, and i really do want to rate it and i think what what drew me to it the most was the fact that it is this stem concept um you know these you know it's just it's just a different type of of rom-com because because like you said you get so used to the rom-coms like when people are on vacation and at the beach (laughs) and you know in small towns and everything's so cozy and it's snowing um so I really am, in, am intrigued and looking forward to reading something that, you know, to me seems a little bit more elevated um, when it comes to the definitely. rom-com. Yeah. yeah,
1: I wasn't expect like, I like my rom-coms, but yeah, I wasn't expecting to get as hooked as I did. It was really, really good writing. Um, definitely looking forward to kind of checking out some more of hers. But yeah, that was a fantastic one. Um, so what about you, Holly? What
0: have you been reading this month so one of my big reads that I just uh, recently finished was um, "An Ember in the Ashes," and it's book one of a series, and it's a fantasy series. And it was one that was it was one of my books that was recommended to me on Bookstagram for that twelve books in twelve months um, little activity that so many of us Bookstagrammers put together. And so I've been trying to read one one book a month off of off that list so I can get all 12 done in 12 months. And uh it you know it was really good. It started a little slow for me um but it it definitely picked up and I really did enjoy the like at least the last like 50% of the book once once everything kind of got solidified, we knew who the characters were, what was going on. Everyone kind of got to their place because the first part of the book, everyone's like trying to make decisions and they're not sure what they want to do and, and what path they're taking. But once that's kind of settled down and their paths were were solidified, and they knew what they needed to do, everything kind of fell into place. And and it is. It's it's a fantasy book that's kind of has some roots into um ancient Rome, some of those kind of philosophical um ideals with the empire and um you have you know the you have the two characters and Elias is, you know, you know the the kid who you know is trying to escape and get freedom from you know the the empire, but unfortunately he's been selected. Like a new empire em- emperor needs to be selected, and they go through like trials. It's kind of like again another one of these competition type Hunger Game type situations, and he's been selected, and so he can't run away like he wanted to. Um, and then you have Laia, who. Um, is is trying like she's from the opposite side where he's like in in immersed in the empire and he's you know is one of the candidates to to win and to compete for emperor you have um leia or leia who is basically the outsider she's in like the the kind of class of people who are suppressed and you know are trying to be controlled and she is now on a mission to save her brother who has been captured by the Empire and thrown into prison so she puts herself in a very precarious dangerous situation that allows the two of them to come together where they both have completely different motives but at the same time they are both slaves to their situation and they're both seeking some way to get freedom uh, it, it, it ended up being a really good book and I definitely will read you know the, the, the books the the next books in the series. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, earth shattering good. Like I've got to go right into next book. But I, I did, I did like some of the, the intricacies and, and the details and the depth of which some of these circumstances happened and, you know, and how, how the book ended um, because it's like, you know, you're rooting for Elias and the trials. And at the same time, you're just like, yeah. you know, what's it could go any way. Uh, he if he doesn't get empire emperor this could happen if he does this could happen he could die he could you know whatever um but it was it was really it was really good it just but it was another one of those books where the female character you know how i feel about A court of thorns and roses um <laughs> it was another female fantasy lead lead female character that i she just wasn't my favorite and i don't know what my problem is right now that i'm really struggling lately with the exception of poppy um from (laughs) from, you
2: know from that
0: series which we'll talk about a little bit but i'm really struggling with some of the main characters and some of the more recent fantasy books i read i don't I don't understand why I'm being so harsh on them, but, but I am. So, but that was one of my big reads this month. Besides our buddy read, which we both just finished in the last, within the last two days. Yeah. No. So that
1: was blood and honey uh, by Shelby Maharin. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the first series, the first uh, book, which was Dove, uh, seven and Dust, mm-hmm. uh back in, wasn't that October?
2: Yeah. It was sometime in I the think fall. We, we,
1: Cause we did that for our standalone versus series episode, which ended
0: up being a massive episode. (laughs) (laughs) Liz, all of our episodes become massive episodes. (laughs) I'm pretty
1: sure that was one of our record breaking ones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so we just spread blood and honey and it, the whole level of darkness I felt it took like complete other level of darkness in this one. Um, It starts off straight off, straight from the ending of of Seth and Dove. And I think one of the biggest developments is the character arc of Lou. Mm -hmm. Because she turns into such a a force to be reckoned with.
0: She turns into something pretty terrifying. She does. And it's, you know, and again, here I am with female characters. I loved her in the first book. But yeah, I was there I were, yeah there's moments in this when she does she does turn into something and is evolving into something that's very scary and she doesn't realize it's happening and certain things are, are impacting it and other times she's fine. I found some of it a little confusing in her development because she would start to go off this kind of scary deep end of development, too. but then she'd yeah. come back and then she'd go and then she'd come back.
2: Yeah.
0: And and I just I I almost felt like we were looking at two and I'm sure this is part of the reason that you, I think you're supposed to feel this way that yeah. you're looking at two different Lus. And, and 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 really focusing on the impact that magic has on these characters, I think was the central goal of of the confusion of whose Lou character is is because magic you know, there's more books to come, we know that there's still gods and monsters that we have to read and we know magic is going to be a huge part there too so I think part of this is building up to yeah. the, the what the dangers of magic are and I think this is one of the few fantasy books that I've read that actually shows that there is a limit to the, abil- to the amount of magic that you can do safely before it starts taking a toll on your body and it changes who yeah. you are
1: I really liked that. I liked the whole um, the way that they portrayed the balance and how much that yeah you need to sacrifice. That magic always comes with a cost. No matter what it is, you need to give something up in order to do that magic. And that was so well done because yeah, as you say, all the other books you read, they just do magic all the time, do whatever they want, like put clothes on with magic, and <laughs> yep. there's no there's no consequences. But with this, the smallest spell can come with some pretty bad consequences mm-hmm.
0: and yeah and also and I like think the, that was kind of oh. <laughs> I was gonna say and like the longer that you have to maintain a spell the more that mm-hmm. it kind of sucks out of you
1: definitely you no know, I mean I think for me that was probably one of the main focuses of that book mm-hmm. was the whole idea of magic coming with a cost because you had to understand that in order to understand what was happening to Lou and why she was becoming this character and I don't think we like Lou right now because
2: yeah.
1: she's not a good character right now she's not a nice person right now she's very much an anti-hero mm-hmm. um, almost bordering on villain
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but not through kind of it's not really her as such it's the magic Right. it's the, the power that the magic is having over her um, I thought it was a really good book I'd say this last one was better but I mean I don't know if they're... Do you know if they're doing more
0: than just three? I haven't looked.
1: Yeah, so I haven't I'm not looked sure. Into it. So, I mean, this could be just the standard middle... sort of middle book. Which, yeah. if it is, to be fair, it's better than a lot of middle books. Because uh, some middle books can be so slow, and this one at least had a fair bit of action to keep you going. Oh, yeah. There were
0: slower times,
1: but at the same time, the pace was actually pretty good.
0: You know, and I, I will say, like, I, I also really enjoyed the uh coming together of all of the different like pockets of characters like i love claude Devereux and his little troop of traveling actors like i love them and it was just you know and we talked throughout the reading obviously and you know from the very beginning we both knew that this clawed guy there was there's definitely more than meets the eye with him and you know and and that was not disappointing at all um like that was like it's such a massive twist yeah
1: like shocking did not see that i saw something coming just not that
0: yeah i didn't know what to expect but i also you know and it it is like you know it's the second book it's that sophomore slump kind of book but It, again they serve a purpose and this one mm. really served its purpose of showing us the impact magic can have it introduced some very important characters it created some mm. character connections and 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 development between the different groups we got to see you know what has happened now with the chasseurs and like Jean-Luc and how they have kind of responded to what happened at the end of the first book with Reed uh, we get to see the blood witches and we get to learn a little bit more about that was
2: interesting.
0: yeah about how, how that works and talk about yeah. dark like I don't know if was, I'd want to yeah, they are the dark they are the darkest
1: um, race they
0: mm-hmm. are the darkest
1: breed of witches Jeez.
0: by far oh. you know and, and then also... even the werewolves like we got to see the werewolves and yeah
1: that was fantastic ladies and mm-hmm. um, all the other ones, that was and, so, yeah it was so nice meeting that yes yeah, it's so interesting meeting the, the werewolves and also was it just me or was nicolina so annoying
0: you know <laughs> she was but i loved her oh. she might have been my favorite character <laughs> in the book and no. i just like every time she would talk I just had like the sing-song voice in my head, and like, you know, oh, the yeah. little mouse, the little mouse, the little <laughs> and, I, and I think I, she just made me laugh. Like, she was yeah, creepy exactly. as hell, but. I mean, I wanted to slap her <laughs> so many times. <laughs> but it, she, I just found her so funny. And I'm yeah, like, you're so nice crazy. Comic, comic relief. Yeah, for sure. I think she was, she was kind of
1: the only comic relief.
0: Yeah, she was. <laughs> And there were some pretty was, intense uh, moments too. Oh,
1: there was, yeah, there were several really intense moments of like like near deaths and things mm-hmm. like that without giving away to any, anything. Right. But no, I'm looking forward to reading the, the last one. And now, now that we've read that middle one, the final title makes sense. Yep. Absolutely. Because when, when I first read, um, obviously, when we first started Blood and Honey, I was like, Gods and Monsters. I mean, monsters, yeah, I can get because you've got the different races. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know anything. Yeah, that was an interesting turn of events. So it's, now we know.
0: And it's the same or thing with like, yeah, well the, well, the title of Blood and Honey, it's just like, where do they get the blood and honey? But then once you've read the book, um, yeah. it makes total sense. Yeah. Because of what they use, you know, they use honey for something and, you know, the all the blood I mean there's a lot of blood in the book <laughs> <laughs> i mean you oh can't deny that so, um,
1: much blood. so much blood
0: but I loved the so, ending yeah. the ending the cliff <sighs> the cliffhanger of an ending um you know and I it's funny it. because ahead
1: time, I was frustrated by it
0: well frustrated yeah. you
1: <gasps> just because of the fact that obviously I can't really go into anything right. but it I, I did really enjoy it I think it was the cliffhanger that was frust- like it leaves you as a reader frustrated mm-hmm. because people didn't get their come up and this kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I agree. You yeah, know, and there In is some <laughs> there is something tragic that happens and it's very very sad. Um, mm-hmm. And uh we're still recovering from that. And you know, yeah, the cliffhanger is just like oh, like really cuz cuz you don't really see Something happened. You see the immediate, like, literally the five seconds after it happens, and then the book ends. And so, (laughs) you know, what I was telling you, Liz, before we started recording when we were talking about this, is the one character who would really probably be able to identify what was happening is 100% distracted right now at the end, and I think that that's perfectly everything kind of perfectly worked out to put everyone in this situation that they're finding themselves in now, because again, the one person who would probably be able to identify what's ha- what had happened and to be able to do something about it doesn't, it, it is like completely like in, in their own little world right now yeah, because definitely. of other things that happened. But yeah, no, it was like,
1: yeah, it did end up very abruptly. I was expecting another few chapters and I was like, Oh, that's just ended. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's a big shock ending. And I think the next one is going to go straight into the action. I mean, yeah. there's not much else it can be. So it's going to be really interesting really, the next one. Um, and of course, we didn't really talk about it last month because we weren't, hadn't, I don't think we started it yet. Um, we did also do the buddy read of the latest in the uh, for, From But Blood and Ash series.
2: Mm hmm. <laughs>
1: War of Two Queens. Yes, wasn't that amazing?
0: It, it was really, really, really <sighs> good. Really good. Oh, thank you. Still not my favorite. It was, you know, but, ah, uh, but oh, like again at the end, I'm like, what is going on? Oh, <laughs> We're introduced to so many different people, so many different creatures. Yeah. Like there's, just, there was so much that happened in that book. That I was just like yeah. there there were moments I was completely lost. Um now oh, now I
1: can't say whether I like Reaver or Kieran more. Ooh. Reaver is
0: so awesome. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just, oh, he's a very interesting character.
0: It's really funny putting um, them together because Reaver makes <laughs> Kieran look like a whiny little teenager. And Reaver comes across yeah. as this like, you know, really elevated yeah. you know sophisticated person um <laughs> you know but it's, no, just, it's, it's yeah it's,
1: and oh my god did they turn the steam up from like eight
0: to bloody 10 didn't they they did you know and, it, um, and it's it, and i would say that would be the only thing that i would say kind of took a little bit away from the book. Like, I'm all for steam and, like, you know, sexy and sex and whatever, but there does come a point where I'm like, oh my god, I get it. Can we, like, (laughs) move on? Like, get to a point where you're just like, we shut the bedroom door, and then the new chapter starts, and we're moving on. Like... No, they did very much go into very graphic detail
1: in pretty much every single scene, and I think we had about six or seven occurrences was yeah. A fair amount. yeah um but yeah i mean as i say yeah i do love a bit of steam mm-hmm. i did put my re- review that i thought that it almost had a bit too much and yeah. maybe i don't want to say too much because uh i mean steam is good and she writes she it really well without making it too crude right Absolutely. Although she did become a bit more crude in this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I would say, like, you know, and I, if you've read the book, you're gonna know what scene I'm talking about. So, Liz, you'll know the scene I'm talking about. But the one scene <laughs> closer to the end of the book, you, you see, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about.
1: The one that we all saw coming for the last three books.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know that that whole scene just. I I I didn't I don't know I just don't know how I feel about it because it's just like I feel like it changed everything after that like like their like interactions between characters after that scene changed a little bit I think if
1: anything it probably potentially isolates those characters more from the group because they've become closer yeah I mean, it was it was well-written. We, yeah, we all saw this coming. That's yeah. It. Like, I said at the beginning of this book, when we, when we started reading, I was like, do you reckon this is going to happen?
0: <laughs> yeah. And then you knew, and, like, they were building to it, and they talked about it, and then it it's something. just like, it yeah. yeah. And you kind of knew what yeah. was going to happen when that, hap- when that scene happened. Yeah. But I, I, I guess... I, at, you know did we really need as much detail in that scene um you know again i'm all for steam and and things but like you know oh, that was okay you know all right <laughs> <hubby>. yeah <laughs> well, I can say. yeah exactly um all right liz what are some books that are coming out
1: okay so we've got a few coming out um in this coming month we've got um book lovers by Emily Henry. Now, this is. Um, she currently. She previously wrote one that Holly read last year, called You Me. You and Me on Vacation. Uh,
0: peep the people we meet on vacation. People we meet on
1: vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is her, her next one called Book Lovers, which I mean, obviously we're going to read. Obviously. It's about book lovers. Why <laughs> can't we? Why wouldn't we? Um, this comes out on the twelfth of May. So you're not too long. Uh, the next one. Uh, Hmm. the next one I'm slightly jealous of so this is Hotel of Magnifique by Emily J. Taylor um, sounds such a good book really good um, fantasy and also the cover is just stunning oh it's beautiful so in the UK it's out on the 5th of May in the United States in
2: America. I already oh, have it in my <laughs>
1: possession <laughs> and Holly's taking a picture and put on Instagram as soon as I saw it this week I was like no <laughs> I have to wait like another two weeks so yeah yep so yeah so that is Hotel Bangalore which I'm definitely getting soon um the next one is Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher um that's out on April 29th in the US and this time we get it three days (laughs) earlier um April 26th in the UK um and finally we've got I am the ghost in your house by Maria Bramasco Moore and that's out on April 19th in the U.S. and the U.K.
0: Yeah, some good books coming out. I think April has been such a good month for new releases. Like, there's so <laughs> yeah, I mean, many. I'd say
1: March and April. Because Mar- March, obviously, we had Jennifer uh, Armentrout's news book. We've had, um, we had quite a few kind of good titles coming
0: out yeah uh, I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what the rest of the year brings. i know i'm so excited like there's just been so <laughs> many good books so many so many um which is good and bad because i already have a never-ending t- to be read list that i don't think i'm ever going to get through in my life uh yeah. but no one ever gets through their tbr list it's fine yeah exactly you just <laughs> you just keep adding you it's know just, exactly exactly <laughs>
1: just, it's- If authors keep bringing out new books, we can't help it. I know. It's Yeah.
0: Oh, well. It just gives us something to continue to talk about and look forward to. All right. Well, we're going to take our last break of the show, and then we're going to get back, and we're going to dive into our Fantastical Fantasies conversation. Um, Because, again, if you've listened to us for even a a second, you know that we are huge fantasy readers. So we're going to kind of jump into the fantasy world, and we'll be right back. Alright. Uh Liz is over there bopping her head again to her the elevator music that only yeah, she the hears. <laughs> the voices in her head are singing to her. <laughs> Alright, Liz. So let's let's just break it down. Why do you like fantasies? Do you know what? Until um lockdown
1: until Stop Lockdown say so we're talking two and a half years ago. I didn't actually read much fantasy at all. I was mainly <laughs> like a rom-com, thriller, um, horror person. But um, I started reading fantasy. I think one of the first ones was um, Akatar and Cinder series. I just loved the whole being able to escape to these fantastical, kind of mythical worlds, which were filled with magic. Because, I mean, let's face it, in this world now, we don't really have that sense of magic anymore we've discovered most things most areas we've discovered most animals mm-hmm. we've discovered so the whole idea of escaping to this fantasy world where magic is still very much alive and very much kind of buzzing in the world is just such a kind of it it takes you away to this amazing place
0: yeah, I would 100% agree. Like, I think I've always enjoyed fantasy books. I've always enjoyed that yeah. concept of magic. Like, magic has always just just intrigued me and has just hooked me. Um, and I I love the worlds. The world-building, I think is just so important and it just, you know, the the descriptions and the imagery that the authors put into words that can draw and paint mm-hmm. these magical places just, it's just so inspiring. And, you know, and like you said, during COVID, we were all trapped inside. Like, you know, for 18 months, basically nobody did or went anywhere. And it was an opportunity to just really escape and escape further than you could if you just read a book that took place in New York City or Paris yeah, or something definitely. like that, uh, because you know that's a little bit more here and now and doesn't really take you away from the here and the now, which yeah. is what fantasy does. Fantasy will always take you away from the here and the now because it is—it's fantastical. It's—it's it's not real. It's like fiction's not real, but most fiction takes place in realistic places. Um, and they just make up stories that happen there. But in a fantasy, I'm sorry. like As as crushing as this might be, you know, Atlantia doesn't exist. You know, Hogsmeade yeah. doesn't exist. It, it, it's crushing. In a hogs. hogs. <laughs> <laughs> Alphame. <laughs> Alphame doesn't exist. It's, I know, but... You know, but I think that's that's why I read it. I just, yeah. you know, it just it fascinates magic fascinates me, and I love the the world building of it all for sure. I think it's
1: the whole because um, I remember you read a quote um, a while ago, I think it was a few episodes ago, about as a child um, we were kind of I can't remember what it was now, but basically I think it's all about the whole when you're a child you're more open to things and you Mm -hmm. believe in these fantasy this these kind of easter bunny the Tooth fairy santa claus um so it's almost like it's a little bit of your childhood Mm -hmm. because it's believing in that magic again it's believing that there are like vampires and werewolves and and magic in the world it's kind of it almost like feeds the inner child of yourself
0: and that's a, a great way of looking at it because you're absolutely right because I think that's where the entry comes from because as kids, like, yeah. as a kid, you believe everything is possible. Like, if you, <laughs> you know, you, you think back now and you're just like, why would kids be okay thinking that a big giant rabbit comes into their house and gives, like, and, and hides eggs? Like, as an adult looking at it, it's like, that's terrifying. But as a kid, you see the magic and the wonder and the the yeah. you know the extraordinary aspects of it, and it's not scary. Like you know, a yeah. a big fat guy in a red suit coming into your house delivering presents. Like you know, oh, again, <laughs> yeah. Like while the house is like creepy, yeah. and but yet it's the magic of it, it, it and 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 it, it is that's all magic that's all fantasy and so we're raised from youth you know the tooth fairy is a fairy and that's 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 fantasy that's magic that's you know little tinkerbell and peter pan and uh, it it's it's alice in wonderland we've we've grown up and and just been inundated with fantasy our entire lives and i think fantasy has evolved and i think there's different like you know I think we're going to talk about it here in a second. you know we're at a point now where it is such a popular genre, and we see so much fantasy like young adult fantasy, and we have you know more and more you know I think the focus for a while had been young adult fantasy, but we're beginning to see more elevated adult yeah. fantasy coming out now um, so thinking about that, what how do you view the difference between young adult fantasy and adult fantasy?
1: I think there's such a grey area because it's very similar. Obviously, you've still got the same lore. You've still got the same... They still use the same sort of magic. Um, But at the same time, for example, right now I'm reading Ninth House, which is um, Lee Bardugo's first adult fiction and I've read her YA, YA fantasy fiction and there is a difference because the adult fiction is very, it's more mature in the, the writing style. It's more kind of, it's darker. It's, I mean, it, Six of Crows was dark, but this one is much darker than than the Grisha verse. And it's just the language is that much more adult. Um, I think also, I'd say from what I've read so far, the characters are more complex uh-huh. they've got that extra layer of complexity so I suppose adult fantasy would be a bit more of a mature theme um, rather than just, just standard magic like Harry Potter yeah. um, what do you think?
0: I agree, I definitely think that the, in adult fantasy we do see those characters that are much more complex, they have uh, more sophisticated not necessarily sophisticated but but deeper backgrounds um, more more life history that comes with them more baggage that kind of comes with them than we do dogma background definitely. very <laughs> much yeah because yeah. you know adults have a wisdom that comes with life experience that we're able to kind of grasp even some more of like that scarier stuff because I think about ninth house and I think about some of the things and uh, the uh, uh the trad I don't want to call it tradition, but their process that they their I don't even know the word I'm looking for, their ceremony that they do that's pretty, you know, dark and gruesome. Um oh, Yeah. So you know, you you see things like that. I and I, I think adult fantasy almost borders a little bit more on the scary and the creepy than the young yeah. adult side does. I think the young adult size side it does leave a little bit more of the background the baggage of the characters out and focuses more on the here and the now but at the same time what's interesting is you know there's there's a whole pocket of fantasy right now that i think lands in both uh and i think Why that's happening is because you look at books like from blood and ash and you know court of thorns and roses you you look at those two series which are uber popular series right now and they would they would i mean for the most part i think they would be considered young adults however we just talked about the war of two queens i have two teenagers living in my house right now and I would not necessarily be comfortable with them reading it just because, yeah. like, not they that they, yeah, not that they don't watch movies that have sex in it or, you know, it, it, it's not that. It's just the graphic nature of it. I think, you know, yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. and who's to say, like, if, you know, if I had talks with them and I think, you know, that's a parenting decision because I... When I was a teacher in a classroom before I moved out of the classroom, I taught um, 15, 16-year-olds was the grade that I kind of taught. That was the age range of them. And I had a girl who was reading Fifty Shades of Grey. And I remember, you know, yeah, she had it. Because every now and then I would give them, like, time to read in class. And I remember the day she pulled it out of her backpack to read. And I'm like... (laughs) Oh, like, what do I do? Like, like, I'm not her parent. I'm not gonna tell her, you know, because again, I'm big on not, like, censoring books and things like that for other people. And I'm sitting there going, what if the other kids around her like what if she gets to like a scene where you know they're in the red room of pain or whatever and she's like oh my god you guys listen to this and starts reading Fifty Shades of Grey and, 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 and like to her friends in class yeah. Um, but I did I I talked to her and I just pulled her aside you know after class so it wasn't a big deal and she was such a good kid she, she would have she wouldn't have cared when i talked to her about it and she's like oh yeah like my mom and i my mom read it she actually gave it to me and she knows i'm reading it she's like you know you know we've talked about it so i'm like okay um but i have like i have a you know my daughter's 13 like i i would not necessarily feel comfortable comfortable with her reading those books yet um and i think those that's why those books are landing in between your adult and your yeah, because it's, it's more like young adult is like teenagers. That's how I view young adult. But 13 is a lot different than 19. Yeah,
1: no, completely. But I mean, let's face it, I wouldn't want my 13 year old reading Fifty
0: Shades I because it's not very good writing. <laughs> I, that's true it's too. Like- don't be don't read that trash (laughs) yeah and and i remember like i remember when i was when i turned 16 one of my friends for my birthday gave me um a box full of harlequin romance books and and so you know those were you know we didn't have books like we have now when i turned 16 um because i turned 16 a little bit a little longer ago um and I remember my mom was kind of like, oh, when she saw me open this open this box of Harlequin, because I mean, there's sex in those books. There's some, you know, there's some seamy sex scenes okay. in the Harlequin books. And, um, and I remember my mom telling me that like later that day, once the parties were over and everything, and, and she would tell me, she's like, just remember that books... Not all men are the way the books portray them. Like, you know, they, they very much I- idealize love and lust and sex and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but she didn't, she did not let me read them and I, I ended up loving them. I like, I loved the Harlequin books, but they, you know, mm. it's like any like book series that has like 150 books. They just kind of become very repetitive and, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So, but, but you also have books like, um, you know, when, you, when I, was to, I was trying to think of, like, what are some specific, like, adult fantasy? Because we could rattle off the YA fantasy until we're blue in the face. I mean, but, Lord of the Rings? Yeah, Lord I of the mean, Rings. Lord of the Rings is adult, fiction, adult fantasy. And I the first one that came to my mind was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Would you
2: count that? I suppose, yeah.
0: I would. Because it has got a dark, yeah, it's got a darker... Because I mean, it's got it. it there's like because she doesn't. She's uh, uh, spoiler alert. So pause it if you've never read it. She doesn't die. Like there's there's a magical element to the 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 pact she yeah. makes um, with Luke to to live, um, and people yeah. forget her. There's definitely there's definitely the element of magic there, and I think that when I when I look specifically at the two, one of the things I I think about with adult fantasy is that the magic is almost in the, in the fantasy aspects are almost downplayed they're not as important as the plot and the characters whereas in the young adult it's the magic and the the fantasy aspects of that magic that drive everything
1: definitely i'd say also um i i did just google adult. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> for myself but um, the night Circus. oh yeah, absolutely say, yeah now I see it on the list so I would say it's definitely,
0: yeah. and that um, one, and that one is definitely adult because that the language I couldn't yeah. imagine you know someone that you know like a, not necessarily that there aren't young people out there that would like you know, but you standard it that yeah, it's the say. the writing style is just yeah. so so very, elevated, mhm,
1: love the writing that.
0: Um, but yeah, no, I mean,
1: they've got things like, uh, they've got Cersei, um, which I haven't read yet. Mm,
0: I haven't read it either. Uh,
1: they've got A Discovery of Witches, which was really good. I haven't read the fourth one, but that was very, very well written. Pyrenees. Um, funny enough, they've actually got from blood Nash,
0: but I'm pretty sure that's classed YA, isn't it? See, that's one of the books I think is going to be classified both. I think it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's the, the, in between. Um, uh, House on the Cerulean, yeah, the- House on the Cerulean Sea will be fantasy. Will be an adult fantasy. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, you think about the kids. Oh I mean, yeah. That's... No, that's
1: very, very fantasy based.
0: And you know, but but then and you it's... look about it, like the you look at the that story plot, the fantastical aspects are just, they're just there as you. It's just normal. Like it's it's not a big deal yeah. that there's it's this fantastical.
2: It's
0: it's not. It's about everything else, and the fantasy elements are just an yeah. undertone. So I think that's a huge, huge thing. So what are your favorite aspects of fantasy? Oh,
1: um, I love a really good setting. Like the creation of really good worlds is is very important to me. Um, I love just reading about a very well crafted um whether it's like a country or completely different world. And of course the characters. It's mm-hmm. gotta they've gotta be really well rounded characters because most fantasies are character driven there are a lot that are so the characters are such a kind of poignant part of the of the novel uh, that yeah they have to be well-written characters and just this amazing world and if i had a choice i prefer kind of like worlds with lots of open spaces like with you know the traditional forests and um i guess like elven Worlds, kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, with green. And... But at the same time, uh, one of my favorite worlds it, um, that was created was for multi- Mortal Instruments. I really enjoyed the worlds um, and the Mortal Instruments series, which you have still yet to read.
0: <laughs> I have not read it yet.
1: I admit that. <laughs> that is a really good world. Um, and of course, things like, yeah, from Blood and Ash. That was a really good world. Um, how about you? What would what would you class as your kind of f- favorite aspects of fantasy?
0: So for me, uh, you know, I, I found I found something on the internet that kind of listed out like the five like essential elements that you have to have like in a good fantasy. And I think for anybody who reads fantasy, they would totally understand that. And those elements are having a magic system like some some format of how magic works in their society. The setting, the world build building, which you just talked about, uh, the complex characters. And I think that's super important is to have the complexity of characters. Not You can't have just basic static and flat characters in a fantasy. They've got to be, you know, and I think for me, characters always drives any book for me. It will always be my number one reason that I like or don't like a book because like the the characters and how they evolve throughout the story from beginning to end is what makes me a
1: deal
2: breaker
0: yeah it's what connects me to it because i am fascinated by people and i'm the person who likes to go and just watch people and they just actions fascinate me and behaviors fascinate me i should have been a psychologist yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's, it's how people and how the characters and ultimately how the authors can get this across, how the characters interactions with the plot, with their world, with their conflict, evolve them into who they become at the end and then how the magic impacts them. So, you know, yes, magic is important. I love fairies and I, I you know, and werewolves and vampires and wands and witches and I love those those mm-hmm. concepts. But it's like, you know, fantasy isn't always about magic. It's like The House on the Cerulean Sea. It's about Certain talents it's about certain you know creatures and and you know those kinds of things but uh so the magic system set the world building characters conflict and then a governmental like a hierarchy of government because when you think about the fantasies that we've talked about there is there is that government whether yeah. it's a king or some type of of governing body that is over yeah, s- going to have
1: some kind of monarchy not monarchy system but some kind of order mm-hmm. to keep the peace and to kind of stop the world going into complete chaos
0: you know and and you're right and in a lot of these worlds that are created they're created with kings and queens and so yeah. i don't know why fantasy lends themselves to we need a king or a queen versus some other type of political uh structure but that tends to be what we see a lot are kings and queens but for me it's just no go ahead I was just going
1: to say maybe it's because to try and avoid it becoming too political, because if you were to do something like a government or a president, I think it might become a bit too political. Whereas the King and the Queen, it's a more of a kind of a regal status. So perhaps it's, um, it's to do with the whole, with that. They don't want to make, turn it into like a different, different genre.
0: Right. That's true. Um, Yeah, I just hang on. My computer just uh, keep talking, Liz. My computer just messed up. (laughs) Okay, Um, but yeah, we were uh, obviously. I've had
1: I've been looking at the same article that Holly was reading, and it's interesting because one of the points about the the magic system, um, if you think about it, not every fantasy has that magic system. But what they mean by that is that some magical element. So it doesn't have to be physical magic like Harry Potter um for example in game of thrones we don't have spells or wizards but what we have is we have prophecies and we have dragons so we still have that magical element um and it's really interesting how on this article they have kind of they've referenced a lot of mainstream fantasy um, Mm -hmm. books and how each point can be applied to um to these novels
0: exactly Uh, and and it's in it's also, I think there's also so much, you know, gray area in there when it comes to fantasy. Because yeah. you think about how many books now that, you know, you tend to read where you're like, well, this is like multiple genres. Like there's elements of so many different genres. So how do you feel about mixing genres? Like, and, and, and what would be your favorite combo genre to mix with a fantasy? Oh
1: wow, that's a, a big question.
0: I do like I like hybrids. Um I mean
1: like for example, uh, I don't think you've read it yet, TJ Klein's most recent book, uh, which is called Under the Whispering Door. I haven't read it I'd say that's it was really good. But I'd say it was more like a paranormal fantasy. Okay. Um so that was really interesting. I mean I personally I really like supernatural elements mm-hmm. in fantasy. So I really like, cause I love the law of like vampires of werewolves. And I love when the, the authors actually stick to that law. Um, and you can tell that they've really done the, their research. Like for example, um, Anne Rice and Into the Vampire, mm. that would be fantasy. But at the same time, it's it's supernatural horror. Yeah. So I think, yeah, if I had, if I had to choose, and a hybrid, it would probably be supernatural horror and fantasy. Mm.
0: And I, I, I love that combo. And I think, like you said, I think it's yeah. it's one that kind of lends itself to to a blend. It, it's just like fantasy and romance, like. I haven't read a fantasy yeah. book yet that has not had some element of romance in it. Now, I'm not talking like yeah, like <laughs> I mean, but there, and there are there even some rom-coms out there that are fantasy. Um like the a book I read uh I be, oh, it wasn't that long ago. It was a net galley book, but it was, you know, A Letter to Three Witches, and it was a very light-hearted, you know, Kind of like rom-com kind of book, but there were witches. Yeah. And and the and the one popular book I saw, um, the X Hex. I haven't read it yet, but I remember oh, that was yeah. a super popular book in the fall, yeah. uh, and that was like a rom-com kind of book about a witch. So I think yeah. we see that's much more mainstreamed of a combo. For me, I I have it, and you're beginning to get there. I've kind of talked you into some books, um, <laughs> but the whole sci-fi aspect, like I am liking some of the more modern sci-fi like not i'm not sci-fi like star trek star wars <laughs> but i i do like like some of those the, the sci-fi books now that are taking place like in space or on another planet like the illuminae files i like i love that series um project hail mary like the andy ware books so i yeah. i would really really like to see that and it would be hard I I think it would be difficult because of the world building because fantasy is so focused on the world building and sci-fi is very specific in some of their elements but I think it would be really kind of cool to see some type of sci-fi witch um, or wizard and and space, you know, space wizards <laughs> yeah like why can't we have space wizards so it in space. <laughs> but i don't know i i just you know right now i i'm kind of like i love this this the sci-fi things um and and elements of that genre and to mix them with with fantasy i think would be kind of interesting really kind of cool actually googling
1: sci-fi fantasy books i'm curious to see what they come up with because i think it's it's tough because i mean sci-fi is it's almost a separate offshoot yeah. of fantasy because sci-fi is usually another world i mm-hmm. mean yes it can be it based on a planet that we know about but at the end of the day we don't know what that planet's like <laughs> so exactly completely made up world um say so i looked up oh yeah this is interesting they've done when I search sci-fi fantasy books they've actually like laid out as sci-fi slash fantasy so yeah I mean I think in a way sci-fi is kind of an offshoot of fantasy in its own right
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but they're saying things like Dune which yeah actually do you know what Dune makes sense yeah because that is a completely made up world and it has got the sci-fi elements as well as, as fantasy
0: yeah, I guess you know. For me, it's hard for me to separate, but I, the the magical aspect because I don't like. Where would be the magical aspect in Dune?
1: You've got the sandworms. They're pretty like magical. Oh, well,
0: that's true. Okay, so okay. the 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 creatures, yeah. Interesting. We
1: have prophecies. Don't forget.
0: Oh, we, have we do have the prophecies. Oh, and those um the uh, what are they called the 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 witch ladies who came and oh, I think I know what you mean
2: that.
0: I can't remember what they're <laughs> called but I remember like cuz you know his mom the like the main kid's mom was like one of them and then you know left so she could yeah. you know so that, and they're the ones who tell the prophecy so there is some there's definitely okay there's your magic <laughs> aspect to that one okay so dune I want more books like dune that's that's what I... Hitch- Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they're also saying, which is quite interesting. I haven't read that. I've heard yeah, a lot about it.
1: I've read the first one, um, and also the film's
0: pretty really good. Yeah. Interesting. All right. All right. What's... Um, to kind of wrap up our conversation on fantasy, what are... Because you pulled this up. Some of the best-selling fantasy books of all time. And let's see what we think. Yeah. So, I mean...
1: Look, we all know what the, the best selling fantasy book of all time is. It's
0: it is quite an
1: obvious one because it is the biggest fantasy um, book series and we all grew up with it. And it was a massive part of all of our childhoods. Um and it is, of course, Harry Potter. Absolutely. So they have this was uh this article was published in actually to be fair, it was published three years ago, so I should probably found something a bit more recent. Um, <laughs> it's three okay. Years ago, but- Bear in mind that we've had all these Fantastic Beasts coming out since, that um, three years ago, uh, the Harry Potter series, um, so in total to date, sold 500 million copies.
0: And see, for everybody Wait. who doesn't like J.K. Rowling, that's fine. You cannot like a person for what they say and what they believe. But at the end of the day, you cannot deny that these books have had a massive Massive impact on our society Our global society Has been changed When it comes to literature Because of these books Yeah, I mean,
1: they started off I think, if anything, this series Really started off A lot of people's love of fantasy 100% and it, started off, it started off all of the Other fantasy novels we've had Like, would we have had Hunger Games without it? Would, would we have had Divergent without it? These all came out after this amazing world was created okay. um and obviously we're still being able to enjoy it through harry potter studios through fantastic beasts through the cursed child show which i really want to see <laughs> still haven't seen yet um but yeah it's still going strong and it first came out what what well, it came out late late 90s first came out mm-hmm. 97 i think mm-hmm. so we're talking like Wow, like twenty-four years. ago. I feel so old. Yeah, well, that's
0: why the Harry Potter reunion show came minutes. out was to kind yeah. of honor the. Oh, yeah, twenty-five years. Yeah. Yeah, the twenty-five years since the first 24. one came out. Oh,
1: that's so sad.
0: Yeah. Um, but number
1: two, um, which is surprising. This is a massive jump. So we go from um a series selling five hundred million copy- copies, to one hundred and fifty million. So we've had a massive jump there of three hundred and fifty million less.
0: So again how can somebody say that those books you know i'm not going to talk about those books i'm sorry you have no choice like you cannot deny that these books exist and have the influence they have on people and like you said i 100 percent agree with you liz i think it's because of the success of harry potter that we have all of the the new fantasy series that we have and it, it created and it you know, it really did ignite the evolution of our modern fantasy.
1: Definitely. it Definitely. It started a trend again, because think about for Harry Potter, we didn't have that many fantasy fictions, did we? Mm-mm. We had Alice in Wonderland, which was released, what, 40s or 50s? Like very, like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have the odd one, the odd author, but you didn't have the influx that we're seeing in the last 20 years. Right. Um, but, the number two um, for the best-selling is Lord of the Rings, which, again, isn't surprising. It's no, not at much, all. It's by so many so many people, and yet only 150 million copies. Bear in mind, Lord of the Rings was released about, what, 40 years before Harry Potter? mm mm-hmm. <laughs> So the fact that Harry Potter has managed to sell 500 million copies, and then Lord of the Rings 150, it's just... Granted, it is like three books more than the than the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings, four books <laughs> more. Um, right. But yeah, it's it's amazing. And number three, again, um, another J.R. Tolkien, 142 million, and that's The Hobbit. Which, Which is, again, also makes a show. It, doesn't that fall well, 140- in? But
0: doesn't that fall into, like, Lord of the Rings? Isn't it in that same universe? I mean, it's in the same universe, but I think,
1: if, if anything, it's making a point because the Lord of the Rings trilogy made 150 million copies, sold 150 million copies. The Hobbit, as in one book, sold 142 million. <laughs> so we're talking one book made all of that, which that's really impressive. And to be fair, like, I'm pretty sure, don't they study in schools these days?
0: Yep, we like. I don't know so much anymore, but there's a lot of schools who do incorporate that as part of their yeah. curriculum.
1: Which is uh-huh. surprising. I mean, it it was really quite a big deal in it's day, and still it's. Um, but yeah, that was very impressive. It was also. um am just reading here. It also was one of the highest grossing film series of all time, pulling in a, a number I can't even read. I think one three $1, three thousand five hundred sixty eight dollars in worldwide price.
0: Yes, you read that correctly. One one bill over $1, 000, 000. Yeah. a billion dollars. That's crazy. So Defendant. so Hobbit was number three. So I'm just gonna number four was The Little Prince, and number five was The Chronicles of Narnia, which I think we also all grew up with. But can we talk about what came in at number six? Please. You, read it. you know you used to read it. I did. I've read all of them. I haven't. Well, I read the. <laughs> I read the. The three. No, the four. Yeah. It was a four book series, I think. So yeah, I did. I admit I read the four. I have not read the most recent one. Um, I haven't yet. But if you haven't figured it out by how we're talking, number six is the Twilight series. With over a hundred million copies sold. Like that's insane. But here's the difference. Where you just talked about, you know, over a billion dollars brought in worldwide for The Hobbit. Twilight has only grossed 125 million worldwide. Still a whole yeah. heck of a lot of money. That's the the writers Oh no, that's her. Worse. That's her personal fortune. <laughs> that's even worse. Her personal fortune is 125 million dollars? Right. Impresses somebody's worth 125 million. I know. Why can't <laughs> I have that personal worth? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, to be
1: fair, again, Twilight, whether you love it or whether you hate it, it's another one of those big stepping stones because if anything, that also started off that brought back vampires again. It did. Vampires and werewolves. Because mm-hmm. before that, we had Anne Rice back in the '80s with the Vampire Chronicles. Oh, and that but came in at
0: number. Um, I think that, that
1: was that, like number seven, seven came in like. right behind <laughs>
0: Twilight.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's slightly annoying, but that should be ahead. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair, they have got they've got a new series coming out of Interview with Vampire. Oh. Um, which I'm very excited about. They've just actually released the teaser trailer a few days ago. I should have put on my list. But ah, mm-hmm. um, uh, it looks amazing. Anyway, um, yeah, Twilight it came out and there weren't any vampire books around modern vampire books and then after that we saw again a massive influx of of vampire fiction so again it started off a trend Mm -hmm. which I don't mind I I like vampires granted yeah Twilight it was good it wasn't amazing um it wasn't like a masterpiece but (laughs) It did its job. It started stuff trying to say. <laughs>
0: it did. It did. And and you know, <laughs> kinda like Harry Potter for that generation, you know, Twilight you know, Harry Potter kind of really inspired some of the younger, like that younger group of kids into reading, where I think Twilight hit an age group just about um like a, like a couple years above the the age group that Harry Potter was originally hitting. Um, because where I think Harry Potter appealed to younger kids and up Twilight really hit the young adults and up and uh so I think it had the same impact just on a different one Mm
1: -hmm. and if anything it kind of followed us because the Twilight came out um so Harry Potter first came out when I was about 10 9 10 um and then this came out when I was a teenager so it's almost like it fantasy evolved with us Mm -hmm. um which is quite interesting and quite interestingly enough I'm just going to read the fantasy books full-time number 12 at shadow hunter chronicles by Cass- cassandra clare 36 million copies mm-hmm. um you need to read that series it's i a do good series. i have i have city of bones <laughs> sitting on my shelf exactly and that's a really that's a really good start the the city of bones is just oh, it's dark but then look again you have you don't only have fancy pure fancy ones in here you've got fantasy horror um number 14 is the dark tower series by stephen king mm-hmm so that is very much that's more of a fantasy or and it's adult that's definitely adult fantasy. Um definitely would not ever recommend that as as YA fantasy.
0: But you also have kid books in here, like you have The Wind and the Willows. Um, you know, like older, you know, books that are children's books.
1: So, so you've got Outlander series, which is more of a fantasy romance. Mm hmm.
0: And Charlie yeah, and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. <laughs> it's God. funny because I wouldn't. I would not have initially thought Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as a fantasy, but then when you start thinking about it, you're like, yeah, <laughs> I get it. I mean, you have Oompa Loompas and you have like you know kids becoming blueberries and um, so okay.
1: To be fair, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have instantly thought Wind in the Willows fantasy. I think it's just because it's a kids book. Whereas, I don't know why it is, but when I when it's a kids book, I didn't don't really separate into genre as much I don't know why maybe just because as we are a kid, like when we were kids you didn't think this is a fantasy book or this is a I don't know action adventure you just thought it's a kids book
0: yeah it's probably because it has talking animals <laughs> I mean <laughs> <laughs> I that think magical. yeah I think sometimes we 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 say things are fantasy when it's just stuff that doesn't exist like there's not talking animals so if a book has a talking animal it's put into the category of fantasy. Sure. I mean, you yeah, have, exactly. yeah, like, cause I mean, you have things like Watership Down is a fantasy. You have Alice in Wonderland. Um, there's so many, you know, The Golden Compass. There's so many books, kids' books that are fantasy. Yeah. And you just, as a kid, because you already live in a fantastic yeah. world in your head, yeah. you don't really realize, you know, the difference of it. So okay. um so
1: that's obviously the ones that that the figures say are the best fantasy books of all time. But let's go on to what we think are the best fantasy reads um out of what we've read. So, Holly, what are should we say top should we say five? Oh sure five yes our favorite
0: yes our top five not in
1: order i can't i can't do order. yeah <laughs> i don't have time to put them in order um okay <laughs> okay so what's your
0: five so my five obviously harry potter 100 percent harry potter yeah. um then i would put in uh oh gosh um i would do i would probably put in like the grisha verse can i just lump all grisha verse together I'm doing that. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> then you can I, do series in lumps to make it easier. Uh, yes. Perfect. <laughs> I would do um, from Blood and Ash. See, this isn't fair. I see you over there. You're like writing your list out, and I'm doing this <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> so that's three. Uh, I would say I would have to put. The House on the Cerulean Sea. I know it's a standalone book, but oh my I don't god. I do not exactly the same as yours almost. <laughs> I love it. And then I would say, just because I haven't had really a lot of time to think this through, and I'm just looking at my bookshelf to see what's jumping out at me, I would go with um, Holly Black's Cruel Prince. The Cruel Prince. Which one? The Cruel oh, the Cruel Prince. Prince. Yeah.
1: Just that one, yeah.
0: Well, that series. God damn it.
1: I thought you weren't going to say that because then that's literally. That's that's my stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, that is actually
0: my exact list. See, there you go. <laughs> that that's why we do this, because we,
2: <laughs> we just talked earlier about reading each other's minds. As
1: soon as you said like when you got to the fourth one, I was like, Okay, as long as he doesn't say folk in the air, folk of the air series, I'm good. That's like <laughs> that that's my last one. <laughs> I was like, Yes, Double Huskins Riding C, Harry Potter, yes, obviously. From Blood and Ash um, Grecia of Us, Yeah Has to be I mean I think I'd probably say More Lee Bardugo
0: Yes Yeah <laughs> Lee Bardugo <laughs> I agree
1: um, And yeah Folk in the Air I need to read The only one I haven't read Is Folk in the Air I've read the trilogy But I haven't read The um, other novel uh, Why the King Hates Stories Or something Oh I
0: haven't read that one either
1: I've got it But I haven't read it yet Yeah I
0: haven't read it
1: It's that. like a little novella Mm-hmm. But, yep. yeah so that was, uh, yeah, so that was exactly the same. <laughs> well, there you go.
0: Well, okay, so it's time for our either or, so let's see if we match up on our either or.
1: Okay, give me one second. Yep. So, okay, always the same rules. If this is the person who listen to us, we, um, we do an either or and we have to pick one. It's a rapid fire round, so you don't think about it. You just say the first thing. That comes to your head. So, are you ready? Ready. Okay. Let's start. From blood, from blood and ash, or a crown of a court of thorns and roses. From blood and ash. Yeah, it's got to be from blood and ash. Witches or vampires? Witches. I guess they're vampires. Ooh. Uh, magical or supernatural?
0: <sighs> um, magical.
1: Yeah, i probably have to say magical. YA or adult.
0: Ugh. Um I, right now I'm gonna say adult. Probably YA. I just the characters um, are driving me crazy right now.
1: <coughs> <laughs> I, I really put this one in, but
0: Karen or <laughs> I can't believe you threw this one in here. Um I right now, again, because of some things that happened in the War of Two Queens I'm going to go Reaver right now. I'm going to go Kieran. Okay.
1: Um, Reese or Cass?
0: Cass.
1: Cass, definitely. Poppy or Luke? Poppy. Yeah, Poppy. Fae or Natural Magic? Fae. Fae's awesome. Faye. Yeah. Uh, Alice in Wonderland or Chronicles of Narnia? Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's got to be Alice in Wonderland. Um, Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones?
0: Haven't read or... Well, I've watched the movies of Lord of the Rings, but never read any of the books of either series, so I'm going to probably have to go with Lord of the Rings.
1: See, I've read the first one of Lord of the Rings. I want to reread them, because the first one I read when I was 13, and I really struggled, mm. because of it being an edit one. It's very slow, but... um. I'm starting to get a, a more of a appreciation for long winded. <laughs> <now. laughs> so Under <laughs> the Lord of the Rings. I have read a lot of games of Thrones books though. And they are very well well written. Very complex. Like I know you like the multiple narratives like me, mm-hmm. but we're talking there's about ten narrative strands per book at least. Wow. So you have to keep them like flicking backwards and forwards to try and understand who is for who.
0: <laughs> That's a little intimidating. <laughs>
1: it's amazing like it's an amazing fantasy world it's really well crafted and there's like certain scenes which just
2: break you
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow
0: yeah. well there you have it that is our either or yeah. segment fantasy edition um so as we begin to wrap up this episode liz where can we find you on social media
1: yeah so you can find me on instagram um i'm at lizzie's little book Nick, and on um I've got a website as well, which is Lizzie's Little Book Nook. <laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> it's the heat. <laughs> okay, I did not say that drunk. <laughs> How about and, you, Holly? Where can, where can we find
0: you? I can be found on Instagram at azdesertbookworm. And my website, the easiest way to get there is just tinyurl.com slash desertbookshelf. Um and that's where my blog and everything is there. Um so and of course don't forget to follow us on Instagram oh,
1: yes. at Speaking Literally
0: Podcast. That's right. Um we have uh, an exciting episode coming up in May. We have an author interview coming up for us. Um it is SJ Jensen who is the author of a fun titled book called Bubbles in Space. Uh it is a steampunk sci-fi based book um i did read the first one bubbles in space tropical punch um it's 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 liz is giving me what's going on why is it touching The wife keeps touching your microphone oh sorry technical difficulties I'm, I'm tired uh, but anyways sj jensen will be joining us she's a steampunk sci-fi author and we are super excited to welcome her in may for um, a really fun fun episode so until then um thank you for listening we hope that if you celebrate easter or the holidays that you had a fun safe holiday and we will see you again in may bye everyone